This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today, the second Sunday of Advent, we confront John the Baptist, this fiery and strange and surprising figure, who, along with Isaiah the prophet and Mary the mother of God, is the great figure of the Advent season. You know, I find so interesting that in all four Gospels, the Baptist is prominently featured. It's as though Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John knew that we can't fully understand Jesus without first coming to grips with John. He prepares the way of the Lord in the historical sense, but also for us now. It's as though we can't confront Jesus without first listening to John's words and message. How's he described? Here's Matthew. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea. The desert. He is the man of the desert. That's his place. How often in the biblical tradition the desert is featured. Think of Moses, who leaves his homeland of Egypt and spends many years in the desert before receiving the vision of the burning bush and being sent back to liberate his people. Think of the Exodus. The Israelites leave Egypt and they wander for 40 years in the desert before entering the Promised Land. Think of Jesus himself, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And Paul, just after he's converted, after he confronts the Lord on the road to Damascus, he spends three years in Arabia. That's a roundabout way of saying three years in the desert before he begins his work. What is it about the desert that's so important? Well, I think it comes down to this. The desert is the place of truth and honesty. There are no distractions in the desert, no luxuries, no fine things to distract our attention, no comforts. Therefore, the desert is the place where we are forced to come to grips with the essentials in our lives, the simple, basic truths. The desert is the place where no illusion is possible, no delusion, self-deception is possible. You know, we spend a lot of our lives lying to ourselves about ourselves. I'm okay, and you're okay, and, well, everything's pretty good with me. i got a few problems here and there, but my life is in pretty good shape. Yeah, my prayer life, it's good. I'm in a good relationship with God. Well, often that kind of language is the result of self-deception, the refusal to look honestly, directly, and clearly at the truth. One of my favorite philosophers is Blaise Pascal, 17th century Catholic philosopher. Pascal said this, and it's haunted me ever since I read it. 
He said, most of us spend most of our time seeking diversions. Diversions. In our games, in our play, in our entertainment, even in our work, even in our relationships. More often than not, Pascal says, they are diversions from what? From the simple, basic questions. From the fact, for example, that we're all going to die and we know it. From the question of my relationship with God. From the question of my sin. Listen, precisely because those things are so dreadful and difficult and awesome, we prefer to avoid them. And so we seek diversions. You know, Pascal himself loved to play cards and dice, the gaming tables. And he was fascinated by the fact that he and his friends could spend hours upon hours diverting themselves. We'll just change the centuries a little bit. What do we have now? Television and VCRs and uh, games of all kinds. What are they? Attempts to avoid the great questions. What do we find now in the season of Advent? We find the desert of John the Baptist. The place where now we have to come to grips with the essentials, with the basics. Things are stripped down. And we can't run. That's why, you know, there's a kind of retreat quality to Advent. The beauty of a retreat, when you go to a simple place, you might live in a very small room, nothing on the wall, food is not so attractive, no TVs, no movies, no radios. What's the value of that? Is it forces you, it compels you to come to grips with the deep questions. So, we follow the Baptist into the desert. What does he say? Now that we're ready to hear. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent, Jesus is going to repeat it in his inaugural address. When he first begins preaching, he says repent all the time. The Greek word here is wonderful. It's metanoiate. From two words, meta and nous. That means beyond the mind. To repent is to go beyond the mind you have. See things differently. Have a different attitude, different perspective, different point of view. What's he saying? We tend to see the world from the standpoint of our egotism. Just think now, fellow sinners, as we go through the day, how often we think of our day from the standpoint of our ego. How is this day good for me? How did I suffer? How was I inconvenienced? How was I rewarded? How was I noticed? I, 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 I'm at the center of the day. I see it from the standpoint of that mind. What's John saying here? Metanoiate. Go beyond that mind. Go beyond the mind you customarily have. And now begin to see the world, to see your day, to see everything that happens to you from the standpoint of God and God's will. Try this. I challenge myself all the time. It's a very difficult exercise. But try this. To go through a day and see it not from the standpoint of your ego, but to see it from the standpoint of God and God's will. 
the people I meet, the things that happen to me, the accidents that occur, the strange things? Do I see them as opportunities for me, success and failure for me, or do I see them as invitations to move into a deeper relationship with God? It's the converted or repented mind that can see it that way. Look at what John is saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's ways, God's order, God's will, they're at hand in everything we do, every person we meet. But unless and until our minds are changed, we can't see it. In the desert, in the place of simplicity, we come to grips with our need for this change. Now, what do people do when they come out to John the Baptist in the desert and they hear the call to repentance? They confess their sins. They confess their sins. They honestly confront who they are, where they are, what is dysfunctional in their lives. Can I urge everybody, all Catholics listening to me, go to confession this Advent, this desert time. Listen as John the Baptist calls to us, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand. Confess your sins. Take advantage of the opportunity, this desert opportunity, to see yourself clearly and honestly and confess your sins. Now, what else does John say? The other great thing he does in the desert is he announces the one who is to come. He announces the Christ who is to follow him. And he describes him in remarkable language. Listen. Even now, his axe lies at the root of the trees. He's describing the coming Messiah. He describes him with a very vivid, even violent image. He's bearing an axe. And it lies at the root of the trees. Terrific. That's an odd axe, by the way. Most axes cut the trees down, they leave a stump behind. This axe, the axe wielded by Christ, cuts to the roots of the trees. What's being communicated here? That Jesus is interested in a total renovation of our lives. Not just changing our external behaviors. You know, sometimes we sinners can do that. We can change the externals of our behavior. So you know, my relationships aren't so good. My professional life isn't where it should be. And I change certain behaviors. But I don't get at the roots. Maybe at the deep pride or the deep envy or the deep fear that is giving rise to my dysfunctional behavior. When I confront the Lord Jesus Christ, I confront the one whose axe cuts to the roots of my life. This, again, is part of the desert thing, that I see myself clearly and honestly. Not just my dysfunctional behavior, but the deep causes. Christ invites that kind of renovation. And I love that image of the roots, the roots of the tree. Where does Jesus want to live? He wants to live at the roots of our lives, so that he is under and at the ground of everything we think. He's at the ground of everything we desire. He's at the ground of everything that we experience. Let Christ down to that level of your life. That's what 
the Baptist, I think, is announcing. Secondly, listen. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John says, I baptize you with water, a baptism of repentance. Good, good. But the one who's coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This means something very simple and very profound. Jesus is not just an ethical teacher who is urging us to a new life. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He's God's own self who wants us to live the divine life. He wants us to share in the very inner life of God. And so he will baptize us with that fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, which is the love between the Father and the Son. It's the beating heart of God, the inner life of God. And that's what Jesus wants us to have. Remember later on in the Gospel when he says, I have come to light a fire on the earth. That's what he means. He means the fire of the Holy Spirit that should take over all of our lives, that we become incandescent with the divine life. In the Sermon on the Mount, he has that simple line, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In the Christian life, we're not just talking about ethical uprightness. That's terrific, and that's fine. But all kinds of ethical teachers over the centuries urge us to be ethically upright. Jesus wants much more than that. He wants to cut to the roots and that we might be perfect as God is perfect. The last image that John uses, his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. It's a farmer's image. The winnowing fan, like a kind of rake or a fork, the farmer would would throw the wheat up in the air on a windy day, and the wind would blow away the chaff, all that's, that's unusable, so that the, the wheat would remain. This is an image of how Jesus works with us. So often in our lives, sin and grace are intertwined. In Christ now, think of the wind of the Holy Spirit, by the way. In Christ, these two elements are separated. All that is, all that is negative and sinful is swept away. Allow John the Baptist to draw you to Christ during this Advent season. And God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the word on fire, Call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360. 4360.